Yeah, good. We got that we got the bird going. I shouldn't have given up acting when I did. <laughs> Welcome to Will and Jace, a Frasier podcast. Today is a very special day in the Frasier podcast forum, Will and Jace. It's my birthday? It's your birthday! <gasps> Happy birthday! Yeah! Happy birthday! Oh, wait, it's not your birthday. It's not my birthday. Oh. No, it's it's the, it's the day that we dive in to the Lotus Murders because this week's episode is Retirement is Murder, Season 2, Episode 13. I have spent $80 on yarn to connect pictures on my corkboard mm-hmm. of theories. Yeah. Oh, Will has been working on the Lotus Murders since they were first brought up in oh, yeah. Season 1, and I think he's just sort of been like joking like, you know, oh, the Lotus Murders, but <laughs> yeah. They came back, Will. They came back, and... I cracked it. <laughs> you, You'll you just think, see. You think you cracked it? I think I cracked I it. I think they cracked Well, we'll see. We'll, well see. We'll, well see. Anyways, last week you took a prediction of what this episode would be about, mm-hmm. and heareth is whateth you saideth. Retirement is murder. Okay, so Martin is retired. It's about Martin. And it's about him opening, he reopens up old cases. It's about these um, these open murder cold cases that he loves to do. And he gets like really, really involved in one and is going down to the police station and like giving cops advice and like show them to the crime scene. And it's about him like accepting that he's retired and maybe finding some like activities that aren't work and just like accepting this new point in his life where he is retired, maybe do a crossword or something. So yeah, I mean he, he calling it a win. <laughs> he he was looking at an old case, a specific case, the Lotus, Lotus Murders. A uh, quick synopsis of this episode: We start the episode at the the condo, and Martin and Daphne are poring over the crime photos from the Lotus Murder on the kitchen table, and Fraser is trying to enjoy his afternoon and says, it's "You night. know." Night time. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and Frazier said, you should really drop this, Martin. You know, it's it's weighing on you too much. Move on to something else. Goes to the radio station uh, and runs into Bulldog. And Bulldog drops off a couple of Sonics tickets that Frazier and Niles decide. Like, be a- physically drops them. Like, I don't want these anymore. <laughs> he literally drops them off, yeah. And they, they decide, oh, this might be a good thing for Martin to get his mind off the Lotus uh, murders. They go to the Sonics game. Martin's still distracted the whole Sonics game. They get back to the place and Martin... Martin goes, you know, to bed, and Frazier starts looking over the photos and thinks he has solved the Lotus murders and rearranges the photos in a way that Martin can solve the murder himself. Martin comes in and solves the murder and goes to the police station and tells them his theory, and the policemen come over and say he's right, and then Frazier thinks that his theory was right, but is not, and that's... (laughs) Frazier thinks it was a trained monkey. Yeah, and that's the episode. Retirement's murder. 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 So let's start here. Helen was the person that was murdered in the Lotus murders. Yes. The people involved with the case, you got Robitaille, the logger. Yes, the you, boyfriend. You got you got Detective Shelby was the detective. You got Clive Brisbane, animal trainer, and Coco, they say the pet monkey, but it certainly looks like an ape to me. <laughs> Monkeys have tails, everybody. Didn't we just see a picture of like the head? Yeah. You Is, can Was you, there a tail in the picture? 
No, but that, that, that's oh. the head of a chimpanzee. Oh, okay. Yeah. You went. You did this for a job. I was a primatologist briefly. Fun. How long did you do that? Uh, just through college. It's <laughs> an amateur primatologist. That's not a job I like amateur paired with. I want you to like know what you're doing when you're doing that. Yeah. I only have two fingers left. You barely hold coffee. I do a lot of the typing on the show. <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, drinking. Yep. Uh, we made a bet last episode. The episode Roz in the Doghouse, and you lost the bet and bet a bottle of whiskey. Will has come to pay off that bet today. I appreciate the whiskey. If just uh, tank, oh, that's the good stuff right Whatever. there. Whatever. That's get day drunk. You delightful pile of human garbage. Let me let me let me explain about Fraser a thing or two. Fraser is Fra- psychiatrist. Fraser's he got his whole family there. Why do they make two of them on the show? All you need is <laughs> one Frasier. There's two Frasiers. Anyways, back to the murders. Several questions. Yes. Frasier opens with my father and his assistant. Because mm. that's what Daphne is now. <laughs> Downgrade or upgrade? Who knows? So this is another Daphne job. job. Yes. Put it on the big board. They go to the radio station. Frasier takes a call. She uh, had a fear of heights. Yeah. She wanted to thank him yep. for getting her over. Uh, she's eating at the Space Needle restaurant. This thought went through my head. First, she screams because she looked down. Yep. Then she screams because her bill comes. Yep. That went through my head. I bet the Space Needle restaurant is really expensive. Yes, it it is. It is really expensive. It has sort of... do that. It has... Have you ever Have you ever been to the Space Needle? Not in that part. Okay. Have you been up in the Space Needle? Maybe when I was a little kid. Okay. So I've been, you know, I've been up in the Space Needle many times growing up around Seattle. Every time someone would come visit, right? It's like the thing you do with, with people from out of town. So we went up in the Space Needle and we ate at the restaurant once. And the Space Needle restaurant has a reputation of being like really cool, but very overpriced. Because they can do that. Yeah. Extremely like, overpriced and not great food. Yeah. Also because they're not paying for the food. So, But it's pretty cool. It pretty rotates. Cool. Yeah, rotates. Yeah. It's, a, it's the We should have more World's Fairs. Agreed. That is just the best. Because Portland needs a thing. We don't have a giant thing. <laughs> if you do like a sweeping shot of Portland, you have to like do bridges, and then it's like still not crazy clear. Portland did have a World's Fair, but uh, we didn't get a thing. The, the Lewis and Clark Exposition. We didn't of get 18... like a four hundred foot drill. Yeah, that shoots into the sun. Yeah, it, yeah, that's true. We need a thing. We need the sun drill. Where's our sun drill, world? <laughs> <laughs> Bulldog comes in with two tickets to a Sonics. Okay, Sonics versus who? Did you write that down? Nick's. Nick Sonics. Yeah. To bring to Roz because I guess, first of all, a lot of things in that scene about just like sexual harassment and Bulldog's oh, sure. views on sexual harassment. And every time Bulldog enters, it's like a sexual harassment lawsuit enters the room. If that woman didn't want her bra snap, she just shouldn't wear one. Yeah. So good for you, Bulldog. <laughs> Keeping it fresh. Keeping it fresh. That's your. <laughs> that's terrible. Your, that's a terrible person. That's what he's doing. He's just keeping it fresh. He's got the Sonics tickets to hit on Roz. She's mm-hmm. got season tickets, which we did know. Mm-hmm. Well, no, we didn't. What did she have season tickets? She to? had season tickets to the Seahawks. Oh, and the Sonics. Because there's someone who sat behind her, and she wanted to know if the back of her, her head, head looked attractive. attractive. Yeah, man, Roz is a sports fan. She you, should really should have stayed as Bulldogs producer. You mind if I go down a rabbit hole? Go. So it caught me a little bit by surprise that Roz had season tickets to both the Sonics and the Seahawks. I was like, how much did that cost in 1994? Well, 
According to an article I found in the New York Times, NBA tickets all around the league were on the rise at that time, and the most expensive city was New York for NBA tickets. I couldn't find an exact price on Seattle tickets, but they said an average ticket to a Knicks game, $40, a 14-ounce beer, $4, hot dog, $3, parking, about $12. Overall, that comes out to a $59 game experience. So you figure $59 a game, it's an 82-game season, 41 of those games will be at home. That's like $2,400 right there. Well, the whole thing about season tickets, you got a price break. Exactly. So you figure $2,400 if you're paying face value. What do you think, $1,800? Sure. It's called $1,800. $1,800 just for the Sonic season tickets. It's a good chunk of change. It is. And then the Seahawks season tickets, I'm like, oh, those must have been expensive too. Uh, And I couldn't find an exact price on those, but I did find a headline in the Spokane Spokesman Review, which said, in search of an audience, Seahawks ticket sales hit all-time low. One longtime fan couldn't even give his seats away. Well, maybe so maybe that's not that expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still, two season tickets to anything is a good bit, especially when it's just her, I think, getting them. For sure. Maybe we'll get a detail of like she inherited them. I don't know. Like Packers tickets. Well, also, basketball season and football season are both in the winter. Like yeah. she's got to be busy every day. Yeah. Going to oh, a yeah. game, right? <laughs> every time. Basketball season tickets is a commitment. It, it is. Football season tickets, it's like fine. Yeah, that's like seven yeah. games. You're very hesitant. Niles comes in and, and approaches Bulldog about why he doesn't have the Ivy League squash standings. I have that question too. Yeah. I want that. That's some good that's some good gaming. Because that's the first... Frazier actually introduces Bulldog to Niles. Mm -hmm. They've been in the same scene, but I don't think they have actually directly interacted. They were... Were they? Yeah. Hmm. When Bulldog came over all sad Mm -hmm. because his, like, girlfriend left him and all these things, wasn't Niles there? Was he there? That's a good question. And and was Niles and Bulldog at the CB Awards? Yeah, but they wouldn't have hung out. Like, they were both at the Bachelor auction Mm. where he goes out with Daphne. That was a missed opportunity of Niles to freak out that Bulldog was going out with Daphne. That's a great point. Yeah. And you know where they went? Sonic's game. They did go to a Sonic's game. Yes. Yeah. In his little Bulldog vest. <laughs> and Daphne just towered over him. <laughs> why did they go to the Tacoma Dome? Oh. Why are the Sonics playing at the Tacoma Dome? You want to know why the Sonics played in yeah, Tacoma? Yeah, why did they do the Tacoma Dome? They actually play in the Key Arena, or the Seattle Center Arena is the kind of their home arena, but it was going under renovations cool. in 1994. Uh, they couldn't find a schedule that worked at the Kingdom, which is where the Mariners and Seahawks played because the Mariners and Seahawks were there, so it was pretty busy. Yeah. And so, and they tried to play at UW also, but ended up playing in Tacoma. Okay, yeah. cool. I understand that Bulldog can get these tickets fairly easily, being Bulldog. But I wouldn't think that he, because he asked Roz out, which, again, surprising considering last episode, she physically threw him out of his her apartment. I but know. Maybe that just excites him more. <laughs> that just makes Bulldog, like, more into the whole thing. Yeah. He asks her out with these two Sonics tickets, and then just leaves them in the office, and Frazier just assumes that they're gone, like they're his now. Yeah. He's like, well, these are used. Don't need these anymore. Yeah, he, he didn't really give them to Frazier, no, per se. No, he set them down. And Frazier's like, oh, Sonic's tickets. Yeah. You want a line of like, here you go, Doc. Not just like, if it is in my space, it is mine. He'd say, here you go, Doc. And he'd say, thanks, dog. Yes. <laughs> Get over it, Jason. <laughs> These things can happen. He got an extra ticket from the promotions department. He did. They Throws that in there. Only had two tickets. Let me tell you, as someone who worked at the promotions department at a radio station, that's believable. Yeah. We get a lot of extra tickets that that, that fall around the promotions Especially department. Especially for Dr. Fraser Crane. I yeah. Know. The Sonics would pay to have him there. My first Put him on the Jumbotron. My first few years living in Portland, the only events I went to were tickets I got from the promotions department. I and I, I went to some nice events. I bet. It was good. 
I didn't have anything nice to wear to these events. You still don't. Yeah. But, but man, was I there. Sports coat and a t-shirt. After the Sonics game, they went out for dinner mm-hmm. without Martin. They went to a place called La Cochonnois. I know you speak French. Uh, what is La Cochonnois? Uh, the crab cake. Uh, close. It means the black pig. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. crabs, pigs, tomato, tomato. <laughs> tomato, tomato. I don't think that's how the song goes. Well, it's how this goes. Same thing. Both meaty and delicious with unclear motives. Uh, I looked up, there was no La Cochonnois in Seattle, but there was a place called that in Philadelphia. It was a barbecue place, but they're closed. Okay. <laughs> Did a lot of research this episode. These facts are getting less fun. <laughs> well, let's have some fun then with murder. So Martin's been pouring over this case for like mm-hmm. 20 years. Not as long as I have. <laughs> so you, th- what, what, what's your theory about so, the Lotus killings? Because y- you said that you, you think Niles might have been the Lotus killer. That's what I thought. Because there's a lot of kind of things leading up to that. December, 1975. A young Niles Crane is taking piano lessons and comes to realize that his older brother, who bests him at everything, even though he tries so hard, has been sleeping with the piano teacher who jilts Niles, who leaves him completely alone. Mm. So Niles Crane goes out into the unforgiving night and he finds women of the night whom he, even though he is on the younger side, yeah, very is able young. to pay for sexual intercourse. But really? Thinking so, there is one woman who says he's too young and she just is not comfortable with this. A one Helen. Oh, okay. Niles feels incredibly jilted by this. He goes, so Helen kind of questions his manhood. She does. And, and and he probably like compensates for that by having his flower baby, like proving that he, oh, yeah. you know, he, he can be he can be a, a family a man. Family man. Right? Yeah. Oh, that, his that, father won't invite him to Dukes with him. Interesting. That's what I thought. And Niles, you know, tries to distract himself by pouring himself into politics, uh-huh. you know, by, by uh, helping Fraser run that candidate for office. Yes. But he can't get his mind off of Helen. But let's go deeper. It's not about Helen. It never was. Wait a minute. It's what? not even about Niles. Deeper? Who's always been there in the shadows? Who's always been around, but we never see pulling the strings? Ah, the Creasels. Maris. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, that makes way more sense. Maris has been in love with Niles since high school. Mm. She went to John Adams Junior High. She saw the way the Creasels tormented him, and she was in the shadows when Helen jilted him. So she, using her heiress money, her infinite influence, hired assassins upon assassins. Wow. She had a trained monkey do the assassination and then had her other different forces kill anyone and cut every loose end. Then when she created the organic meeting of Niles years later, she could hide all of this away. And you know, there was one person who knew the truth. Who? Martin's old partner, Artie Walsh. But they had a falling out and Artie never told him the secret and it died with him. A falling out because Artie was in the hospital because she sur- he survived Maris's assassination attempts. Oh my gosh! It's all there! It's all there! The only loose end left was Martin Crane, the only other person to survive an assassin's bullet. He did say assassin's bullet, didn't he? It wasn't just a regular robbery. Yes. It was Maris. So Maris is going to spend the next 10 years slowly working away at Martin the only way she knows how, giving him more and more stressful situations by giving Frazier bad dates Mm. and funny mix-em-up dinner parties. Yes. That way she can get Martin out of the picture without any kind of motive or way to tie her back to the crimes.
mean, <laughs> when you lay it out like that, it's so obvious. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know how it's I didn't like, stumble whoa, upon that right beforehand. There. It's <laughs> right there. Wow. Anyways, they came to a different conclusion. They said it was Detective Shelby. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, that's probably that's probably what it is. Probably it. So yeah. Anyways, they they do think that it's uh, Detective Shelby, or that's that's Martin's theory, and and it is because Shelby confesses. Uh, After Frazier, twenty years later, I know. You find this guy, and he just cracks instantly. Immediately. Yeah, I kill her. I know, right? It'd be so easy to get away with that. Like, I don't. I honestly have no memory of what you're talking about. It was like, 20 years ago. It's like, well, I was waiting for someone to ask. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I murdered her. Frazier's theory is not that it's Detective Shelby. It's that it's the chimpanzee Coco. Was trained to The kill. monkey, yep. Who was trained to be in a show that Niles saw... Brisbane's amazing really apes. went off the rails. I don't know if one. Niles would go to that yeah. show, but anyways, apparently he did and saw that the ape, you know, was trained to do things. It didn't seem that crazy to Fraser that it, the ape could have pulled the trigger. Sure, he said it mirrored the story, uh, the short story by Edgar Allan Poe, "Murders in the Rue Morgue." I've actually read that. Yeah, I, I hope a primatologist would. <laughs> it was written in 1841, and it's it's known as, like, the first detective story. Huh. Yeah, and uh, there's two murders that happen, and, like, witnesses can't agree on what they saw in the shadows, and it turns out it was an ape. That's the big twist at the end. Sorry well, if I ruined an 1841 how, story for how everyone. How long is it? Uh, it's I don't, it's not that long. It's it's 10 pages, maybe. Okay, yeah. yeah. Pretty yeah. short. Also, they were all making, uh, you know, monkey jokes at the end of the episode when they were making fun of Frasier. Yeah. The cops were making monkey jokes, and he said, who's the monkey going to get to defend him, Clarence Darrow? I thought that was a great joke. Great joke. I totally got that, too. Yeah. No one else Suck gets it, that. cops. Come on. It's a good I one. I didn't get it, but I would have laughed out of social pressure. <laughs> I did get it. Inherit the Wind's a good movie, also. <laughs> I, I like that Frasier uh, said... This, this might be going out on a limb, but we should check if there are any bank robberies by short, hairy men in a powdered wig around this time. <laughs> I love that visual. Going rogue. Yeah. The the ape commits murder and then like wants, taste for it. moseys into a bank. <laughs> How would that even work? How would a bank robbery happen, Frazier? Does it write out a note like, give me all your money and slide it under the teller going window? Going to Harvard doesn't mean you're good at everything. I guess not. So they went to the Sonics game in this episode, and you saw them coming home from the Sonics game when Bulldog took Daphne out on a date. Do you think we're going to go to any more Sonics games? You said there were several Sonics. Yes, because you told me there were three, I think. How about the other Seattle teams? Any Seahawks games or Mariners games that they'll go to? Oh, hell yeah. We'll go to one of each, a Seahawks and a Mariners. Okay. The detective that comes over at the end of the episode, Frank, Mm -hmm. you know, who kind of says, oh, Martin, you know, we got him. We got him. It took us an hour. Like, what are crimes in this universe? Like, it took five detectives and a whole afternoon. Like, why would that, first of all, you'd be mad if that was following up on a lead? That's your <laughs> job. And secondly, like, yeah, we solved this murder. He confessed immediately. Is that is that the same guy that came over for poker? Maybe. I don't I, it, know. It rem- I think it is. the same. Probably. I think he had Frank over for poker when he was trying to have Frazier guess which one of them was the felon. Which one? Yeah. So I think this is this might be the second appearance of Frank. Mm-hmm. I didn't look that up to be sure. Mm-hmm. Sure, I could right now. Not going to do it. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to stand in my conviction. Sitting. <laughs> I am also sitting in my conviction. Would you mind painting a picture for oh, me? Oh, yeah. Niall says maybe it's best uh, we don't take Martin out to a nice restaurant because the last time they took him to a four-star restaurant, the restaurant lost a star. Mm-hmm. What happened when they took Na- uh, Martin to a nice restaurant? The poison has to be scentless and tasteless, Maris said. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Wrong picture. 
So the last time they took Martin out to a nice restaurant, he ordered some foie gras, and then he picked it up with his hands and started dipping it in his coffee. And they said, sir, you can't do that here. And he said, I can do what I want here. I was on the force. And he gets up with his cane and starts wandering around. And then he accidentally goes into the women's bathroom and the woman in there screams and he screams and he whips around and smashes the mirror. And the food critic there at the time says, this place is completely out of order. And Gil Chesterton talks about it on his show and it loses a star. It made it onto Restaurant Beat? Oh, yeah. This wow. story made on Restaurant Beat. There are so many Fraser episodes that never air. His life is just full of these events, and we're just seeing little bits of them. Counterpoint, there are so many Fraser episodes that did air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting concerned. Season 2, episode 13, I feel like we're already hitting some plot fatigue. We got a lot to go. So what's your what's your rating for this episode? Two. Two. Two shots. Are you asking me? Two shots. Two shots. <laughs> <laughs> Two shots. Two shots. Pew, pew. Pew, pew. Because it's murder shots. Two murder shots. Didn't um, quite get there for me. I gave it four. I love this one. Look at you. You yeah. just love any mix em up. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a mix em up. I liked how sure Frazier was about his theory <laughs> and how ridiculous his theory was. And I like all the visuals of a chimpanzee. <laughs> <laughs> that was imagining. That's most of where these shots are coming from. Yeah. Just a chimp doing things. So I appreciated that. No, I thought I thought I was I was thoroughly entertained throughout this episode. Do you know who the caller was at the beginning? The person who called in to talk about the fear of heights at the Space Needle, Marjorie. But I didn't watch the credits. <laughs> I actually recognized the voice in this one, Diane Feinstein. <laughs> she was in Back to the Future Three. Uh, do you know Mary Steenburgen? No. So Mary Steenburgen was in Back to the Future 3, played Clara Clayton, the love interest there. Uh, but she also has been, well, she's in a bunch of movies, but she was in Curb Your Enthusiasm for a long time. Here's the fun part of this fact. You ready? I am. You ready I to have am. some fun? Yes, please. She is the real life wife of Ted Danson. What? Yeah. That is fun. There I had go. fun with that fact. I, told, I thought you might. So in Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, which is kind of a spoof on Larry David's real life, fake Larry David is friends with fake Ted Danson. Yes. And he's married to fake Mary Steenburgen. In the show, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Ted and Mary end up getting a divorce. In real life, they are still married. Okay, fun. Everyone gets a divorce in Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. Next episode is called Fool Me Once, Shame on You, Fool Me Twice. Yeah. Ellipsis. It's a prank war. Frazier and Niles are in a prank war like they do every year on, let's call it April Fool's. And they always do like really gentle upscale pranks and they like put a different kind of caviar in each other's really nice caviar and like swap out each other's champagne. And Martin says, that's not a real prank. This is how you do a real prank. He gives like a peanut can full of steaks. And Frazier and Niles, like, escalate their pranks, like, way too far. And Niles, like, gets a pirate signal and gets on Frazier's radio show and does all these things. And Frazier has Niles' topiary destroyed. And they have to learn that they just can't do April Fool's anymore. Topiary? Yeah. What's a topiary? I think that's the, that's your hedges. Like, that's, Niles said topiary. That's his nice animal carved hedges. I think. You might be right. I don't, I don't know what a topiary is. I'm going to say that I am. I'm right. I'm in a different income bracket than Will. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Anywho. Because I am broke from big boards. <laughs> we shouldn't have bought all the big boards at yeah. once. Yeah. No, gotta that... space those out. Yeah, but I got a price break. I'm going to give you one to take home today. Thank you. <laughs> M-A-R-M-R-E. No more. I'm done. No more. <laughs>